Everybody, welcome to the Second Take Podcast. We are so excited to have this opportunity to really just share a conversation together as we uh, reflect on God's Word, as we talk about real-life issues. And uh, Pastor Steve, I'm really excited to um, kind of just have this opportunity today. We're talking, it's actually Valentine's Day today. Yeah. People are uh, hopefully getting together um, to go on a date, or maybe some people are hanging out with friends. I know married couples hopefully are spending some good time together. What eating are you up to tonight? Eating some chocolate, hopefully, and <laughs> having some dinner at home, man. It's did you remember nice. it's Valentine's Day? You did get a card. I did, I did, but I didn't wear a red shirt because uh, I didn't want to. I love but, that. Uh, I did remember the roses, so I'm good. Exactly, which leads us to our next point, that Jesus loves us yeah. so much and has a love for the world. You know, Jesus, I mean, this is a, a very simple thing. You know, God so loved the world, he said, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's really, you know, the probably the most famous scripture in the in the Bible. And it's also the encompassing overall arching theme when it comes to the gospel preaching or the great commission that we're called to embody is that God loves people. And I think that, you know, we're talking about sharing our faith we're talking about witnessing to people really our mission as a church is to make jesus known and some of that is evangelistic in nature absolutely how do people you know pastor steve today what what is your encouragement and challenge to us as christians that we really have to share the gospel we have to be watchmen as we said on sunday for for yeah. people that are lost how do we share the god's love in such a way that compels people you know the bible says that in scripture that you know that some some are saved by love, some are saved by fear. You know, it used to be back in the day, Pastor Steve. Um, you know, there's a lot of preaching on the end times, right? Kind of after World War One and or World War Two, you saw, you know, Hitler, and you saw the rise of, you know, the with Israel. There was a lot of prophecy preaching, and people were just like, Jesus could come back literally tomorrow. Yep. Well, it's been almost 80 years since a lot of those world events happened, and I believe we're nearer to His return than ever. But, but you know, sometimes. Uh, my dad used to always say you attract more bees with honey. And I think there's a uh, a very key way to preach the gospel, to share the love of God with people that really I believe when we share God's love with people and it's the Bible says the kindness of the Lord leads to repentance. Um, you know, a little bit more than, hey, you're going to hell. You need to repent today. Instead, I might say. God loves you so much, you don't have to live this way anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, you know, if you think about how God responds to sin in Scripture, right? He, in, he responds to sin in Scripture, even in the Old Testament, with redemption. Uh, he does bring judgment. He does do everything he can to draw his people to repentance. And there's all kinds of horrible things that happened to people because they were repentant and they walked away from God. And I agree with you. You know, there's a sense of if we love people, we want to save them from that and from the, the coming disaster that they have. But redemption begins even in the garden when God gives us a picture of what Jesus would do when the animals have to be sacrificed to supply skins for Adam and Eve. And that starts right there in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is filled with uh, God's promise to his people, God drawing his people, his people walking away from them, him over and over and over again, which sets up the coming of Jesus, which is God's ultimate response to sin. It's, as you said in John three sixteen, for he loved the world so much, even though the world has been sinful, 
Even though the best people have been incredibly sinful, he loved the world so much that he sent his son mm. to die for us. It's stunning to think of how God responds. So, yeah, on one hand, we have to, and we're, we're totally um, committing ministerial malpractice if we don't alert people to sin. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And sadly, in, in this day, many are kind of crawfishing back from that, that position. We have to make sure people understand that this is God's standard. It's not my standard. It's not um, some standard back from the early church fathers. It is God's standard. And that's the problem that people are having. So how do we respond to that mm-hmm. is really the issue. And, and, and we get to, well, how did Jesus respond to that? Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, it, we, as Christians, a lot of times we look to sometimes even Paul's admonition or the early church fathers, the apostles, the, those that, you know, were a part of indoctrinating the church. I mean, Paul had a way of saying, hey, listen, women should not wear jewelry. You know, and it's like, well, you're going to hell if you wear jewelry. Well, yeah. now we're taking scripture really out of out of context, the context of that day. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of other examples. I believe sin is sin. I don't believe that everything is relative, but I do believe that there are very contextual uh, admonitions for certain churches and for a certain time. However, the best example of what a Christian should be or a godly person should be is God himself, Jesus in the flesh. And where Jesus, his response to sin, his response to sinners, you know, we see this a lot of even, you know, John chapter four, Jesus is sitting down at the well with this woman. And, you know, she's kind of going through her life with him and debating a spiritual topic. And all of a sudden he just goes, yeah, you know, where's your husband at? And she's like, I don't have one. And he's like, you're right. You've had five and you're living with this, this other guy. And it was that opportunity where he was able to expose in, in reality sin. But at the same time, he's able to say, listen, I've got I've got water that is going to you're never going to thirst again. Once right. you drink of the salvation that I'm able to give is really what he was saying. And he said that before he said that you have five husbands. And he said, I've, I've got living water for you. Right. You Samaritan woman who are outcast to the Jews and they have nothing to do with them. And I know what your lifestyle is already. But he has a conversation with her, someone mm. he's not supposed to have a conversation with. Um, he crosses cultural lines in order to have a conversation, in order to care for her. And then when she does spill this issue of her relationships, Jesus is like right there for her. And she runs into the into the village and goes, Come and see this man who told me all about me, mm-hmm. my whole life. Mm-hmm. You must be the son of God. And he, mm-hmm. she said that to him before she left. And he said, he said well, the Messiah will tell us all things. He goes, I'm, I'm him, mm-hmm. which is such an amazing thing. In the midst of when he could have said, I'm here to judge you. And uh, I, I condemn what you've done. He just said what she had done. Mm-hmm. He didn't go into this great detail about it and, and uh, get after her and tell her how wrong it was. He said, I'm the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So if we can get people to that place, to where they can know Jesus, he's the one who convicts. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we want to see people do. He did it in a relational way. That was a pretty long conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did it in a way that let her be convicted by her own life. Yeah. And he did it in a very loving, where he'd already, he already expressed himself in love by offering her living water. And by having a conversation. Yeah. That's so, such a cool example for us. Yeah, I think the, 
the thing I'm I'm really most just intrigued by is Jesus, the way that he interacted with sinners and which the way he interacted with people that were, like you said, kind of cast off, you know, the way that he loved people that were um, Samaritans or he loved people that were, you know, uh, unclean in that day. Right. And he was actually touching people and he was actually going to dinner at people's houses. I mean, you look at, you Mm -hmm. know, he, he tells Zacchaeus, he goes, I'm going to your house. You know, he like literally has dinner with a sinner, a, a notorious sinner, someone who has got a, re- a bad reputation in town. He's in his uh, he's a thief. dinner party, you know, <laughs> you know, he's a thief. He's you know, he's he, he's committed treason really against his people. That's the way they see him because he's a Jew and he's working for the Romans as a tax collector and he's cheating them. And that's not someone any of the people wanted to hang out with. Jesus says his first response to seeing Zacchaeus is, I'm going to go to your house. And. We don't know what he discussed on the way. We don't know what he discussed with Zacchaeus at his house, but the recording in, in Luke is very simply, Zacchaeus stands up and makes this confession, and he's going to make everything right just by being with Jesus. And mm. that's the emphasis of Scripture, is that he is with Jesus, and Jesus does the work. Mm-hmm. And that's what our message needs to be. You know, I want people who are far from God to know Jesus so they can be convicted. I am going to always stand for the, the biblical ethic and the biblical um, biblical stance on everything. Um, but my job is mainly to connect people to Jesus and to not drive them away. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's a huge issue right now, just culturally in our, our world now, where, you know, let's just face it, homosexuality and sexuality is becoming... Um, a huge issue in our mm-hmm. world, in our churches now, where, you know, back in the day, I'm sure there were homosexuals uh, hundreds of years ago, all of that thing. There's recorded history. But today it's being glamorized mm-hmm. and it's being publicized and it's being really spread by the enemy through media, right? And through the internet and through, you know, television and things. Away. So sometimes we think, man, like, Every other person I see might be homosexual. No, there's still a very small population of people that are identifying and with this um, with this issue of sin. But, you know, it's becoming this thing where it's now taboo to disagree. Right. With, Mm -hmm. um, hey, well, that's that's against my religious beliefs. And I think there's a lot of Christians now that are struggling with the fact that maybe some people can be living that lifestyle and it's okay with God and that he's okay with that now. And that's an ancient thing that. you know, we, 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 we should now accept and embrace homosexuality in our churches and in our lives. And I think that, you know, this has become a real big cultural issue now. And I think it's something that, you know, we, we as, as people of God need to understand that, yes, we don't have to agree with people's sin. But at the same time, people that are in that type of uh, lifestyle have to understand that people see them, know them and love them. And a lot of times I think they're choosing this way of life because of the rejection and the abuse, the neglect that they experienced mm. as children, now they're turning to a community that's embracing them yeah. and celebrating them. They're exploring. Mm-hmm. And this is a whole other can of worms that we could talk about in another episode. Well, but I think to talk to us about yeah, how to reach I mean, people that are in this type of lifestyle I, that, that need hope. I think the, the biggest mistake we can make is to not love them. And that's what the enemy wants. And our initial reaction is, oh, that's so wrong. I've got to step out strong against it. And you do need to be very clear in your beliefs. Um, But if you watch Jesus with the woman caught in adultery in John 8, it's a great example 
of how to address this. Pharisees, the leaders, I think it's chief priests in this case, are gathered to stone this woman, Hmm. which is an extreme case in those days. You weren't necessarily stoned for adultery in most cases, but they're they're gathered around her in a very menacing way, caught in the act. And so, you know, you're like, yeah, she committed this sin. And Jesus makes this stunning statement. He goes, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And his point is not that adultery is not sin. It is. And he tells her, go and sin no more. But his point is, if you're going to call out other sin, you better need to con- be ready to confess your own. Hmm. And for believers, sometimes our tendency is we react so strongly against sin that, that believers, you know, we, we feel like is so wrong. But man, our, our anger can be so wrong. Our greed can be so wrong. Uh, our, I mean, people have a hard time telling the truth today. And they think that's not an issue. I'm like, Jesus said, I am the truth, the way and the life. You know, you can't ignore your own sin. And sometimes it feels good to talk about and call out other people's sin. And we need to call sin, sin. But we also need to realize if I'm going to talk about yours, I need to talk about mine. Mm. And the ones that I struggle with or that church people struggle with. And I think that's what we have to get to as churches is, you know, all right. What's our what's our culture? Well, our culture needs to be that we love everybody. We are going to talk about all love, all sin, at one point or another. If you stay with us long enough, you'll hear every sin called out. Um, and but we have a way back. That Jesus didn't come to save the the well. He came to save the sick. He mm-hmm. didn't come to save those who were already good. He came to save those who were far from him. He was so harsh against the the um, the Pharisees and the and what we would call church people today he was so harsh with them why because they were so prideful he was so gracious to the sinner and he went to their house he hung out with them um, he reached out to them he touched them as you said and um, I want to have that mindset it's I have to tell you it's not my natural mindset mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not yeah. I, I could be very judgmental but our mindset needs to be man I love you and to love people enough to Go to their house. Invite them into your home. Yeah. I, I, I love you. I, you're not, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. You know, um, we need to hang out. And I want to know you. And I want to show care for you. Yeah, and I think that's the hardest part for Christians sometimes. They say, well, if I, you know, how can you be seen with that person? And they're literally, I mean, I see this a lot where mm-hmm. it's like people are mad that Lecrae was at one of Diddy's parties or they think, oh, how could you go to the prom or how could you go to that party? You need to stop partying. And I'm not saying Christians need to be, you know, indulging in the sin of the world. But John did say you're in the world, not of it. And so if you're not actually in the world and you create this like secluded, you know, uh, bubble of uh, Truman Show life for yourself, where <laughs> it's li- literally you only yeah. hang out with Christians, you only fellowship with Christians, you only listen to the Christian radio, you only listen to cr- watch Christian movies, and you know you live this life where you're not in the world and you can't even have fellowship with people that are not of this world. I mean, that's not a, a lifestyle of Jesus. That's not a lifestyle no. of of what we're called to. We're called to be a city on a hill, salt in the earth. Salt mm-hmm. is healing for wounds that it's on. You know, salt is meant to be in and dissolved in this glass mm-hmm. of water. Um, man, we've got to be light and darkness. And if we're not in the world, and by in the world, I mean 
in people's lives, like you said, in people's lives, right? You have you, if you if you're not in their lives, you have no you have no chance to influence. I always told parents who have maybe they have a wayward child who's into a lifestyle they don't agree with, and they're like, I don't know how to how to navigate this, and I'm like, you just got to find a place where you can build a relationship. Yeah, and wherever that is, you may say, Well, I've got other children in the home, I can't have. Well, listen, well then go to their home, meet somewhere. Find a physical place and a spiritual kind of emotional place where you can interact because otherwise you have no influence. Yeah. And that's true for, for others uh, who aren't your children. Just where can I, how can we, inter- what level can we interact on? Maybe we can't go to certain places. Maybe we can't talk about certain things all the time. Sure. But I try to let people know where I stand and then I try to build a relationship. Yeah. You know, um, this is who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a pastor of a church. Um, for many, it's just, you know, hey, I go to church, I'm a part of a Baptist church or, a, or an evangelical church, whatever it is. Um, but that's not, that's not all I am. I am here to know you and to love you and to be a blessing in your life. Otherwise, we just don't have any platform for influence. Yeah, and I think really it's a, it's a shift, Pastor Steve, from trying to get people to come to our church, when in reality, church is for the flock of God, believers, to be built up and equipped to go back out into the world and be a witness and be the light of Christ in our workplaces, our jobs, our schools. I mean, you if if you have a drinking problem and you were delivered from alcoholism, yeah, probably you don't need to go witnessing in a bar. Right. But if you're if that's not your case and your coworker invites you to a restaurant or a bar, go to the bar. Hang out with them. Go hang out Find with them. Ways and talk if you're to not them. comfortable in a bar, invite them to coffee. Sure. You know, if you're not comfortable in whatever zone it is, you you can find a way. Right. To connect and with them outside of church instead exactly. of just come to my church. It's the best the best stories of church are I came to church because this person brought me. Right. And that that happens all the time. I had, had a great experience this week with someone. I came because this person invited me sure. and brought me. And they already had a relationship with them. Right. And that's so glorious because that means that person's life has rubbed off on them from and wherever they were. Right. And uh, I think it's always a, a, a thing we've got to be in prayer about because we will always tend to go places we're comfortable. And it's just better. You just feel like, man, I can't. I've been in the world all day. I can't go out and do, I get it. But be in prayer. God, where can I go? Yeah. Where are my communities that I can have wow. influence in? Yep. I mean, they're as simple as your neighbor's. They're as simple as taking walks when the people take walks. And in Florida, they take them in the morning and the evening. They, mm-hmm. they walk their dog or whatever. You can know your neighbors yeah. if you make a little bit of an effort. And as we say around here a lot, you got to play the long game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a while. And you got to be thinking ahead and saying, I just want to develop a relationship and see how God can use this. And one of the things I've learned a lot lately, Phil, and I think that is so uh, great but also embarrassing, I didn't learn it earlier, is that God is doing far more than we ever know or think. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really depend on your talent, your ability, your cleverness, even what you know. It depends on you being obedient and just showing up. Mm-hmm. I just want to know you. Yeah. And once you do that, you can start to see God do stuff and you're like, whoa, I had no idea he was doing that. And that's what is super fun about this journey of following Jesus, seeing God do stuff in people you know you didn't really do at all. Yeah. You just got to be there for a part of it. Right. Yeah, and I think, you know, it'd be helpful to maybe have some practical handles today too, just for people that are saying, How do I how do I share the gospel in this situation with someone where I know it's difficult? Maybe they I know the sin they're dealing with. How do I help them? Or 
Maybe there's people in my workplace where I want to reach out to them and I want to share the gospel, but I don't know where to start. You know, for example, I know family members or people that I've known, you know, they've, they know someone's sin and they'll just kind of blast it and preach about it on Facebook. Or maybe as preachers, sometimes we have yeah. a tendency of we, we know what people are going through. So now we preach about it on stage instead of having those one on one combos. Well, and both can be needful, both yeah. can be helpful. But I think when you when you have a one on one conversation with people, you don't want to start with their sin. You want to start, if if you can, with your relationship with Jesus. Right. So it's 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 a comment to be like, you know, I am just so grateful that I feel forgiven. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, how did you feel forgiven? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, first of all, I was convicted, and and y- you don't, y- and then you can easily share your Jesus story, mm-hmm. or you can start at a place like, you know what? Um, yeah, Sunday I was in church, and you can just see their eyes. You can almost tell if there's any interest at all. Yeah, when you mention those those kinds of words, you don't want to wor- use a lot of churchy words like redemption and sanctification and justification, all those kinds of words, but a word like church is fair mm-hmm. or a word like community mm-hmm. so you know in my community i get this kind of support mm-hmm. and you see you know, in my community i have people that help me walk through yeah for example you're talking to a co-worker says you know i'm dealing with um, a problem with my marriage with my child it's good to say you know i have friends in my community that really help me think through that i love that oh really what is that well you know uh, i go to this church and i have this small group yeah and we talk about the pain and the hurt Mm-hmm. You know, we don't do therapy, but we do walk through this together. And it's been incredibly helpful for me to feel good having that. Mm-hmm. And those are great ways just to introduce this idea of what being connected to Jesus is all about. Yeah, yeah. And I think that can be really, uh, really helpful. Also, I think it's a good idea to try to be, to, to think, do something uncomfortable, like get into a different community. So you usually have a work community, home community. Uh, maybe a grocery store you always shop at. Maybe you have a hobby community, play pickleball or you play golf or you whatever. Think of another, maybe there's another community you need to get involved in. Mm-hmm. Once a week, you're going to go um, get involved in a, in a, you go to a craft show or you get into um, some kind of thing that you can do regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, that can start to really start to get you connected to people who are far from God. I love that. Yeah, and I've always heard, too, that, you know, just asking people to pray. So if someone opens up to oh, you, yeah. if someone oh, opens yeah. up you at Good work point. saying, hey, like, well, can I pray for you about that? Yeah. They'll be shocked at how they'll just be welcoming, like, even if they're not a believer, like, of course, please, I need help with this. Yeah, you know? Very rarely will people say no to prayer. Right. Very rarely. And if they know, you know, you're pretty much probably got to move on to somebody else. But, um, you know, people will because they don't know who you're praying to. Yeah. And they think most people will go, well, you know, there's all kinds of gods out there probably, so it can't hurt. Right. And uh, most people will be appreciative of that. That's a really yeah. good good point. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you praying for them right there in that moment at work or at the grocery store, wherever it is, like in your pickleball court, you making that prayer right there absolutely is going to be a testimony to your faith and, and how you can open up a conversation about, about the gospel. Absolutely. And it's particularly great in my experience if the person might be on the edge of the church. You know, or maybe they've walked away from church. Maybe you haven't seen them in a while and you run into them at the grocery store and you're like, hey, Bob, good to see you. And they're like, how you doing? Well, you know, I've been struggling with this. And before you leave them, just pray for them. Yeah. You'd be amazed that sometimes that's what God uses to draw them back to him. Yeah. You know, I think Pastor Jimmy had a really great illustration on Sunday about how his friend jumped in the, the, the creek to kind of rescue him from this snake that was coming. And it really is 
reminiscent of, like you said, John chapter eight, where Jesus gets down in the dirt yeah. with this woman. And, you know, that's really the picture of being a soul winner and a witnesser for Christ is saying, man, I'm going to, I'm right here with you. I'm in this um, yeah. with you and I'm going to stand yeah. beside you in any walk of life and being consistent in our friends, our family, yep. our community's lives. Yep. And I love how he told the story of, of, you know, there's, there were a lot of people on the bridge, but only one guy jumped in. Yeah. And that's a beautiful picture of, I got to get in your life. I got to get in the dirt. Sometimes I got to get in the, the house that's on fire and get scorched a little bit mm-hmm. uh, in order to help you um, get out of this and be saved from this danger that's coming at you. Yeah. And that's a great, great picture um, of how we need to get in there and we need to help. It's interesting. Um, I was talking with Jimmy about that story yesterday and um, you may need to ask him about how that ends. But I said, what happened to the snake? Because the guy jumps on the snake. Does yeah. he catch the snake? Sure. Does he what? He said, actually, the guy saved me from the snake, but when he jumped in, the snake was gone. Wow. Which I love that picture because a lot of times if you'll get in there with people, evil will retreat. Hmm. And I think that's a that's a, a great point. It doesn't always. Yeah. But you show up sometimes. It's amazing how God can do some incredible things. Well, I mean, the psalmist says one puts a thousand to flight, you know, two yeah. puts 10,000. Yeah. So it's like when yeah. you st- you said two or, two or three people, man, a cord of two or three strands is not easily broken. So like having people in your community and that may be, you know, going to a pickleball league, but bringing another Christian friend where it's like, okay, now there's two of us. Yeah. We're going to automatically influence this pickleball group because we both have a a shared faith and we're always going to be encouraging and having each other's back in these, these environments. And maybe that's, you know, two by two. Again, there's other (laughs) uh, religions that would go out two by two, but really that's a picture (laughs) Of that, as Christians and in a church community, we need we do need to be influencing and intentionally going into to safe to spaces that are not uh, godly. But if we go together, or if there's you know communities that right, we can infect right. together, and, and there's some accountability. Yes, right, that true. Too, that you know, hey, I'm going to this place and I'm a little bit sketchy. Bring a friend, right? And so you're not tempted yourself, sure. Um, and so you're you're in a, you're you're in a much safer position, totally. and a much stronger position right. too. Yeah, right. absolutely. I love that. Well, as uh, thank you guys for tuning in. I think Absolutely. that's kind of the most um, we've ever really been able to dive into a topic. Uh, we're going to continue this um, really this series, just taking our sermons and, and kind of the messages that we've been preaching on Sundays and kind of just going deeper into practical applications and trying to figure out how can we really put this in practice. And so yeah. hopefully this is encouraging you guys. Go ahead and follow us here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our YouTube channel. Pastor Steve, would you pray for us? Absolutely. For everybody listening today. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, may our passion for the truth never waver, but may our passion for the salvation of people who are far from you be just as strong. Yes. Um, You are so righteous, but you are so loving. And sometimes, Lord, you let us see the depth of evil so we can understand the height of your love. Mm. And uh, we praise you for that. And I pray that you would help us be practical in how we hold in tension this, this, um, this, this desire to make sure that, that sin is called out and we hold an equal tension with that, our desire to love people, Lord. Yes. Those two things have to be in us. And uh, we're grateful for the privilege of knowing you and of knowing people in your body. Thank you for this church, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Thanks so much. Y'all talk soon.